Good morning, good evening, and good night. This is the Master's Voice. This is Zettler Clay IV, and I am sitting here with the Reverend Dr. Cecilia Taylor in the aftermath of our 52nd anniversary service. How are you feeling today? Oh, Dr. we had a really good time We today. did. We did. We had an outstanding choir. The worship service was spirit-filled. Uh, it was a joyous occasion. Yeah, they came and showed up. They came and showed out. It's right. They came and showed out. People showed out too. Yeah, yeah. We had we had a lot going on, and it, and it was all for for the glory of God. And Absolutely, it was a great Absolutely. place to be. So, after a week of sermon prep and getting ready for church service and delivering the sermon, how do you unwind on the sat on the Sunday? Well, it's interesting. I had this conversation with the session just the other night and I was telling them that I'm an introvert and anybody knows about introverts and extroverts you know that uh, extroverts get their energy from talking around to people, people. Yeah. and introverts uh, being around people drains them their quiet time their alone time is where they energize so to make a long story short when I leave worship I go home and take to my bed pretty much <laughs> uh, I enjoy the quiet time and the solitude um, I love listening to music. Uh, sometimes I'll actually go out uh, to a play on Sunday evening, mm -hmm. but uh, anything that's quiet and restful and doesn't require me to do any talking is a good idea for me. Did you have to grow into accepting your introversion, or is this something you've always been comfortable expressing? I had to grow into it. First, I had to learn what it was all about. Right. You know, uh, I grew up thinking that uh, my older sister, who is very much an extrovert, was outgoing and she was, as you said in your children's sermon today, she was everything I wanted to be and I could not understand why I didn't have the level of energy that she had around people. But then as I grew and saw more people who were introverted, even though I didn't know that that's what it was, I was like, well, there are other people that like me. Uh, I got an opportunity through studies to, to learn about introverts and extroverts, and, and it was just like, wow, okay, I, I'm normal. Right, this ain't so bad. <laughs> it's not so bad. Awesome, awesome. And, and for full disclosure, for those who weren't at church today, I delivered a children's sermon um, on talents, and that's what Dr. Um, Reverend Dr. Taylor was referring to. So, um, so I want to jump into this. Um, we recently had a church shooting in Sutherland, Texas. And, you know, these things have, it's been an uptick in these kind of um, occurrences that's happened. And I guess the most notable one that comes to mind is the Charleston um, situation that happened with um, Dylan Roof. How do you feel, uh, what's your thoughts rather on people attending church carrying guns? I am very much against people attending church and carrying guns. Um, and I'm very happy that at this church, um, when given the opportunity based on state law, this church agreed that firearms would not be allowed on the premises. Uh, I believe that caring sometimes gives people a false sense of courage. Mm -hmm. um, it takes away from me from the sanctity of the house. You know, we're here to praise God and to worship God. Uh, I was crestfallen with the the shooting in Charleston yeah. and I've yet to really recover from that because yeah. 
it represented all that was good about church for me for a long time. Church has been sanctuary, a place where any and everyone can be welcomed, and, and to have someone violate that, uh, as I said, I'm still trying to get over that. But I think that there are ways within the church body to keep God's house safe without resorting to carrying arms. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some of my colleagues in in the cloth who have what they call armor bearers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they are just that. They are bodyguards for the pastor. And to me, it is such a conflict in that. It's counter it is, to the notion of what we come to church for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it also says that you don't trust that God's going to take care of you. So there are those who say that, well, if at least one of them in the Charleston situation were armed, then that catastrophe could have been prevented, or at least the extent that it happened could have been mitigated. Um, what are your thoughts on like responsible gun carrying um, or gun ownership when it comes to bringing it to church? Or do you believe there's such a thing? How do you navigate that line? What do you say to that crowd? I would say to that crowd, I, I'm really hardline on this. You know, I I, I think about um, you, you've got to set the tone, and uh, you could have your trustees, your ushers, whomever, to check with people to make sure that they're you know they're not they're not taking their constitutional rights to church. <laughs> it's Second Amendment. Yeah, right. Second Amendment. But um, but as long as the church is posted and um, you know, sometimes as simple as asking the question. Mm -hmm. I had a colleague of mine uh, he, he told the story last Sunday of being in his church alone and a couple of gentlemen came to the door and wanted to come in and he was talking to them via the security system and they just wanted to tour the church. And he thought about it and he said, well, I'm, I'm here alone and there's no one really to show him around, but they persisted and insisted. So he came down and talked to them a little bit and one of the guys said, well, you know, Pastor, I'm packing. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, you can't come in. But after that, he had a long pause with himself thinking, well, what if he never came forth and told me that he was carrying Right. So those are the kind of things that make you want to be a bit more proactive. Um, but still, church should be sanctuary. Mm -hmm. The house of God should be sanctuary. All should feel welcome, and all should feel as if they're safe. Yeah, and you hit the word safe. Safety is, is the reason why, um, why people feel that, some people feel that gun ownership of gun packing is necessary wherever you go, uh, whether it's to a park or on a train or some people are hardlined the other way. Um, so it's, you know, but as a pastor and, and as an elder myself, I understand the need to to develop, to, to establish a tone, like you said. To, it's a culture here. Um, but at the same time, you want people to feel safe. You want them to feel safe. And there's got to be better ways. Again, I think that Carrying guns gives you a sense of courage, almost like you're you're looking for trouble. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think people really, you know, with their gun ownership, 
they don't pay a lot of attention to the responsibility that goes with that. Yeah. That being that, you you use your weapon. If you use your weapon, you're going to take somebody's life. And that's something that you have to live with for the rest of your life. So the only reason to even brandish a firearm would be if your life was in danger mm-hmm. or someone around you was in danger. Mm-hmm. We're approaching what our culture marks as the holiday season. Thanksgiving is around the corner. you have any plans? Yes, I'm going to have dinner with my family. Yes, that's what we do on Thanksgiving. Um, but so interesting enough, the definition of Thanksgiving um, is the expression of gratitude, especially toward God. Even though Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving holiday, is not a Christian event, how do you find meaning in it as a pastor? Well, for me, as a person first, the tradition that I grew up in placed a lot of emphasis on being thankful for God, being able to be with your family. And grace, saying grace, being together with your family and thanking God for all the gifts that God has mm-hmm. given you throughout the year as a family and as individuals. It's always been center point in our gathering. So even though as a nation is it's not quote a Christian holiday for me and in my thinking, there's always been a connection to being thankful to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bottom line for me also is that if you dig deeper, if you go deep with the concept of Thanksgiving, showing gratitude to the rest of humankind, showing gratitude to the Creator, mm-hmm. that's you know that's what it's all about in the first place. You know, and 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 what's interesting about it is that food's involved, mm-hmm. and and the Jewish tradition and the Christian tradition and in the Islamic tradition, breaking bread together mm-hmm. as a sign of thanksgiving and coming together as a group is, you know, it's just what these cultures do. It's a big deal. Yeah, so, so the deeper you go into it, maybe a, there is a, I would say a pseudo uh, separation between church and state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With sacred and sacred. See, in the way you describe what we do for Thanksgiving, I, I approach it as, in my mind, I approach it as if every day is a holiday. You know, we should do these things all the time. All but the since time. our culture gives us the days off from work and marks it, I'm, I'm going to take this time to especially do it. But I think the day after Thanksgiving, two days after, a week after, is still as important for me to give gratitude. Um, to the Creator and to those around me who help sustain, you know, my existence. And I agree with you. If you walk in the path, you know, if you have created a relationship with God, that is almost second nature. Mm-hmm. So the holidays give you an example to kind of double down. Right. Yeah. Right. And, right. You know, and let people witness your walk. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned food and how it's a, you know, it's a big deal for cultures and traditions to sit down and break bread. Um, I just read a a report in the Atlanta Voice that talks about how nearly half of Americans now have high blood pressure. Now, Reverend Doctor, we come from a community, um, 
<laughs> we, 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 we come from we come from places where high blood pressure is and I, I, I laugh and smile as I say this but this is kind of a, this is serious to me um, high blood pressure is kind of like the norm like you know hypertension and the things that we eat it's, 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 it's heavily talked about in our culture as far as African Americans but you don't really see many changes being adopted like during the holidays we eat what our grandparents ate and our great grandparents ate but some of this stuff may not be as good for us, right? No, a lot of it is not. And um, what has happened over the years, and you know the American Medical Association actually changed the standards, and this is just recently, as to what is hypertensive, what is pre-hypertensive. Really? Not. And uh, with that, the number of Americans that are at risk actually grew. And that's probably some of what that article is alluding to. But when it comes to hypertension and food and lifestyle, people of color have been on the losing side due to education. Uh, yes, we do come from a tradition that will put the kind of food in front of us, mm -hmm. seasoned in a way that is not healthy for us. It'd be good, though. It's very good. But the other thing, too, is that a lot of us have gotten sedentary. And we won't move like, mm -hmm. you know, some of our ancestors did. They may have eaten poorly, but they worked harder. Yes. At, every day at, um, you know, and keeping their bodies in good shape. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what we don't seem to understand about hypertension is, yes, it makes you feel bad uh, initially, you know, and doctors, you meet with a doctor and the doctor says you're hypertensive, they give you a pill. And they tell you to watch it. But they don't send you on to the cardiologist who can really break it down and let you know how dangerous it really is. Right. And right. that's where our community needs more education. Because just to be diagnosed as hypertensive, most people get a little cavalier with it mm -hmm. and don't realize the long-range implications of being hypertensive. And how easy it is to back yourself out of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it is really worth it to to watch what you eat and to exercise. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy all those traditional foods over the holidays. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But for the rest of the year, you need to be paying a lot of attention to yourself. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your family. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've come to discover over the years that the body is a self-regulating organism. Absolutely. Um, you said that we can back ourselves out of it. All you have to do is, and I don't have the answers. I'm not a dietitian. I, I, I know my body. I've studied my body enough to understand that you give your body a break from eating, fast every now and then. I don't mean you have to fast for three or four days. I'm talking 12 hours or so. Um, move around, drink some water. And um, get some sleep. The body will tend to work itself out. Yes, that's true. You know, so I, so when I approach holidays, it's always I used to when I first came into consciousness of learning what we ate and understanding, like okay, y'all was feeding me chitlins back in the day. <laughs> I was eating that, you know, and and you know, your boy used to throw down on the chitlins. I don't eat them anymore, um, but that's not to say that I'm not a snob when it comes to things. When, when it comes to the holidays, I let people eat, you know, eat, eat because. I understand that's what it is, but like you said, there are ways that um, we can mitigate. Like, we don't have to eat perfect, per se, but we can do other things that gives our body a chance to recover. 
Absolutely. And one of the things you know, that I did mention was exercise. But there's actually another side to it that I didn't mention, and that is your spiritual health. Stressors Stress, yes. play a big part in people becoming hypertensive. Yes. And yes. one of the best ways to deal with stressors is to work on your spiritual health. You find that the more you're connected with God, the more meditating, the more you pray, the more you give things over to God and do the very best that you can, so it lessens your stress. Yeah. You know, you, well, how do we put it? You learn to live in the moment. In the moment. Yeah. Mindfulness. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, Dr. Reverend Dr. Taylor, we got to get off this exit, but thank you for stopping by and joining us. And you can reach us at The Master's Voice. You can reach us on SoundCloud. This is also available on iTunes Podcast. And we bid you adieu. God bless. God bless.